Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host today, and I have a cold. So if my voice sounds a little bit different, <clears throat> or if I have to clear my, my throat from time to time, I apologize in advance. Um, but, um, you know, into every life, a little rain must fall, that kind of thing, right? So this week, uh, I am going to talk a little inside baseball on on CPI. Um, and, and before I do, um, I want to first thank everybody who responded to last week's podcast about velocity and about how velocity can be thought of as sort of the spring between the car and the trailer. Um, the feedback was positive enough that I actually put it out as a transcript on, on the blog um, for people who prefer to, to read it as opposed to hear it, I thought it really was a, a good analogy and it's a, a fairly short listen, so it's it's worth listening to. As I said, this week we're going to go a little bit more inside baseball and and, and so today's podcast isn't necessarily going to be for for everyone. Uh, if if it is, if you if you find this interesting, if you're so involved in the markets that you know thinking about the the changes to the CPI, that happen and their implications is important to you, then you might think about subscribing to the, the, uh, to my private Twitter feed. And to do that, you go to inflationguy.blog slash shop, and you can subscribe there. <clears throat> it's, um, uh, if you are a client of enduring investments, you, you get in for free, but everybody else, has to has to pay admission and uh, and if you subscribe to that then you get on the day of CPI I, I give sort of a real-time breakdown of, of the number and what I think it means and what to focus on uh, and I have a little private conference call for the subscribers so that you know they get kind of my 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 gut feeling uh, shortly after the number comes out I think it's worth it but you know, up to you. Again, if you find this sort of inside baseball stuff interesting, then then it, it's worth a look. So let's talk now about about the the CPI and the coming changes to the CPI. I've got a lot of questions about this, and um, so in January, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has announced that they're going to well in in February, um, with the announcement of the January CPI. The the BLS is going to uh, be adjusting the weights, um, which normally happens every two years, and they're going to start adjusting it every year. But let's first think about let's first talk about what it is that that they're doing. So, what is the consumer price index? The consumer price index is the price of a basket of goods and services that are bought by the average consumer over the course of a year. So, it's got cars, it's got it's got medical care, it's got tuition, and not everybody buys all these things, but on average, everybody buys some of these things. And so the BLS collects the price of eggs, collects the price of tuition, collects the price of apparel, automobiles, medical care, and so on and so forth, and puts them together into this, this price index. But the question is, how do they determine the weights? What, is, what does the average consumer buy? What does that even really mean? Well, the way that the Bureau of Labor Statistics does this is by means of consumer expenditure surveys, where literally they go out and they 
they, you know, nail down consumers and they get them to to define all the things that they that they uh, purchase. Uh, prior to 2002, this happened every decade because it's time consuming. You got to talk to a whole lot of people to figure out what the average is going to be, and uh, and so. Prior to 2002, it was only done every decade. Now, obviously, the problem is, especially if you think about the 80s and the 90s and how much consumption patterns changed, you know, in 2002, you know, the internet, people paying for internet access was a lot more important than when they had done the prior survey a decade earlier, right, in the early 1990s instead. So, so these things change a lot. And, and so in 2002, the BLS went to doing this biannually. And it takes a little while. So they survey for a couple of years. So the, the 2021 uh, weights, for example, use 2017 and 18 surveys. So they survey 2017 and 18, and they go and they do all their, their, uh, their work on that. And eventually they announce it in at the beginning of 2021. Those are the weights that they use. So what they're doing this January, so let's see, so let me, let me back up for a second and, and make a little aside. Uh, from time to time, you will hear somebody say that owner's equivalent rent in the, in the, uh, the CPI, which is the, the increase in the cost of shelter from a house that you own, as opposed to, you know, you're, you're not a renter, you own your own home, but that you still consume your home. And so what does that CPI look like? You'll hear somebody say that, you know, the BLS gets this by asking people what, what they could rent their home for. And that's not true. The BLS gets the actual prices from, for owner's equivalent rent by surveying actual rental units and making some assumptions about how rental units compared to homes uh, and and which ways they're similar, which ways they're different. And obviously the cost of renting your home from yourself is going to be similar. It's it's going to change in a similar way to the price of renting anything else. And so that's kind of where that comes from. But But the whole notion, the whole rumor, misconception that the BLS asks people what it would cost to rent their homes is true. They, they, they do ask that, but they ask that in the consumer expenditure survey. So when they're trying to figure out the weight of shelter, and if you own a home, that's where they ask the question, hey, what do you think it, it would cost to rent your home? So it affects the weights, but it doesn't affect the prices. And, and you can imagine that if people are, um, you know, vaguely in the right in the right ballpark, then the weight will be vaguely correct. And that's, that's probably close enough, um, for government work as, as they say, this is in fact government work. So, so going back, so we, we used to do this consumer expenditure survey every decade and then went every two years. Now it's every year. So in 2021, we used 2017, 18 weights, For last year, we used weights derived in 2019 and 2020. This is relevant, right? So 2019 was kind of a normal year. 2020, we had this thing called COVID. And consumption patterns changed dramatically. And the BLS very carefully considered whether 
they should use intervention analysis. They should essentially say, well, 2020 was a weird year. We're going to ignore it. Uh, but, but they concluded that, well, what we're really trying to do is predict 2021 consumption and we, it's hard to do. So they ultimately decided that the better thing to do is to just hands off and 2019 being normal and 2020, at least some of that coming from before COVID, that the weights would be different, but uh, but not necessarily as dramatically as if you had done the, the survey in, say, you know, August, you know, May of 2020. You would have gotten very, very different answers. You know, zero spent on restaurants, for, for example, because nobody was eating out in May of 2020. Uh, but... Using 2019 and 2020, there were some fairly decent changes as a result of the pandemic, you know, so certain things happened. So, for example, in um, in in 2021, uh, used car CPI, so that was, again, that was based on 2017 and 18 uh, surveys, the weight on used cars was 2.75%. In last year based on the 2019 and 20 surveys, that weight rose to 4.143%. Because what happened was people spent, when they got the stimmy checks, people went out and bought a lot of used cars. That was just something that was very easy to go spend a lot of money on uh, very quickly. And that's why I remember we had, so we had a big spike in prices and, and uh, there were shortages of used cars and you couldn't get new cars, they weren't building them and so on and so forth. And so that's why that weight went up and, um, and, and by the way, you know, if you think about it in aggregate, so 2021, when we were using the smaller weight was when prices spiked. 2022, when we were using the heavier weight, prices were coming down or well, they, were, they were actually coming down, not just decelerating, they were coming down in terms of used cars. So that net effect of the used cars you know, rise and fall, if that had been a full round trip, if the price of used cars had gone all the way back to where they started, they they haven't and they won't. But if they had, then that would have actually net, would have resulted in net deflation in the CPI because we used two, a, a light weight going up and a heavy weight coming down. And people are always saying that the, the BLS, you know, monkeys with the CPI to to exaggerate or keep CPI, you know, keep inflation reported lower than it really is. Um, there is no conspiracy, but there are factors like that that happen that do have that result. And those things happen in both directions, obviously, but, but you know, that's a great example of how inflation, as high as it was, it was actually ended up being lower net-net than it otherwise should have been because of the way this reweighting worked. In aggregate, 2022, the weights we used last year had 1.5% more weight on core goods than they had in the prior year and 1.9% less weight on core services. Um, and, uh, and that's sort of relevant because in 2022, we had core goods prices falling, um, decelerating rapidly over the course of 2022, whereas core services prices uh, were, you know, stayed, stayed up. So, um, so the BLS is now going to, 
So they're, gonna, they're, they're doing a reweighting, and they're going to go to annual reweighting. And, and there's no, again, there's no conspiracy here. They do it that way in other countries. Canada does it annually and so on. And it's the right thing to do um, to try to reflect current consumption as currently as you can. Makes perfect sense to do. And, and it makes sense to do this now because you'd like to get back to the right weights as quickly as you can. And in 2023, you know, you're going to use you know, 20 more of the 2021 weights. And so, so what's going to happen, and we don't know exactly, we won't know until February, uh, the, the, the CPI is report, reported um, this month. Uh, but basically what's probably going to happen is core goods the core weight on core goods generally is going to decline. It had gone up one and a half percent. It's going to come back a little bit, and the weight on core services, which had gone down, is going to go up a little bit. Now, one of the reasons that that matters is that, and I've spoken about it here on this this uh, this year podcast before, is that if you believe that inflation is going to fall back to two percent. Um, as I've said recently, you know, you, you, you can't, you kind of have to believe that that's going to, that something's going to happen in core services because core goods inflation is already down to two. And so if you want core inflation overall to, to fall a lot further and to get down to 2%, it's going to have to come from the services side. Um, good, we, we've kind of wrung everything we can out of core goods. Well, this makes this this reweighting makes that even more true because the weight on core goods is going to be less. So even if they do continue to fall, they're going to have less of an effect. Um, I think it's important to understand here, though, that it's easy to exaggerate the overall how important this is. I mean, these are large changes in weights. I mean, normally, the normally the reweighting is a snoozer doesn't matter at all. Nobody cares. Every two years we get new weights and all that means for me is I got to change my calculator weights and it's just a pain. But it doesn't really change very much. You know, a tenth of a percent in a weight here or a tenth of a percent somewhere else doesn't matter. These are large weight changes. That being said, they're large weight changes only in the context of the normal weight changes. If, you know, it's still rounding error. If you have a 1% change in the weight of a category that is inflating 2% faster than the average, then that only adds two basis points to the annual inflation. Okay, so let me say that again. If you have something that, that suppose the weight was 3% and now it's 4%, and that thing was inflating 2% faster than the average and it's still inflating 2% faster than the average, that extra 2% times that change in weight of 1% means 0.02 is the effect on CPI. And that occurs over 12 months. So it's not a big deal. It's really hard to make this turn out to, you know, be something that's going to matter enough. Um, you know, it's going to be it, far more important is the question of what's going to happen to medical care services, what's going to happen to owner's equivalent rent, what's going to happen to those actual prices, that's going to matter a lot more than what's going to happen to the weight of medical care services. It's just not likely to be that big a deal. 
Um, however, it gives people something to talk about, and it gave me a subject for a podcast. So now you know how that all works, and you know whether or not you should care about it. Answer, probably not. But if you are interested in that and it is something that you find interesting, then again, you can you should probably think about subscribing to uh, the private Twitter or to our quarterly inflation outlook that you can also get at inflationguy.blog shop. Um, but uh, that's all for today's podcast. You can contact me at inflationguy and at enduringinvestments.com. Let me say that again, inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. You can follow the blog at inflationguy.blog. Um, there is a free Twitter at inflation underscore guy. Visit Enduring Investments and most importantly, defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy 